Hello and welcome to Teacher in Zion Podcast, a podcast for Christians, Book of Mormon believers, Mormons, ex-Mormons, and anyone questioning their faith or the church. And it's with an emphasis on seeking the truth wherever it leads, and especially a closer relationship with Jesus Christ. I'm your host, Teacher in Zion, and this is episode two entitled, Am I a Mormon or Not? If you don't know me, you're probably wondering where I currently stand in relation to Mormonism. And maybe a follow-up question is how I came to that understanding. You know, studies have shown that to a large degree, we are a product of our environment. If our family and many of our friends believe a certain way, we are typically resistant to question those beliefs. But I have come to believe that God built into mankind when he created us, a part of us designed to question things. In other words, he made a way to escape those beliefs when necessary in order to grow beyond how we are indoctrinated. That doesn't mean it's easy. Quite the opposite. Questioning long-held beliefs can be a difficult proposition, to say the least, and it takes us well outside our comfort zones. Rebellion is listed as a sin in the Bible, and indeed, it is when rebelling against God or when rebelling against your parents when we are yet children and not of an age to make decisions for ourselves. However, when we become adults, we must decide for ourselves and live according to the dictates of our own conscience. But I'd found it curious, especially as a youth leader, that teenagers seem almost to have built-in mechanism to rebel and question authority. At this point, they're on the cusp of entering adulthood. Well, in fact, in many ancient cultures, people were considered adults by then, even getting married and having children. But regardless, by the time we are teenagers, we start questioning our parents, and we begin to struggle with them for our independence, something we often call teenage rebellion. Again, it seemed to me almost as if we were made that way. But that couldn't be, I thought to myself. Rebellion is bad, after all, right? And then it hit me one day, a revelation or an understanding. It just settled on me like a dew from heaven. And then suddenly I understood its purpose. What we call teenage rebellion is indeed a propensity built into fallen mankind but for a wise purpose that we might question our upbringing at some point in our lives not every teenager will choose to be rebellious or rather some children will question their parents or their authority in a much less obvious or disruptive way than others but ultimately we all question either inwardly or outwardly. The purpose for this built-in tendency, I realized, was so that any child raised in wickedness would eventually question those ways and have an opportunity to seek the right way, while those who are raised in a righteous environment are given an opportunity to question, perhaps even stray from those ways for a time, so that they may have the opportunity to explore, and come to understand for themselves what is truly right. Not just to say and do simply because someone else told them that was the right thing, but so that they might come to have their own testimony 
of the truth. Proverbs 22.6 says, Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. Notice it does not say that when he is young, they will not depart from it. Well, many of us who were raised the right way needed to question at some point. Without this questioning time, we might never have gained our own testimony. Perhaps you never have yourself yet. If your reason for believing something is simply because someone else told you that it is so, I would argue that that makes for a shallow kind of faith that, when really tested, may reveal the lack of deep roots necessary to weather the trials of life. In the previous podcast, I briefly shared that I was raised in the RLDS Church, which shares its earliest history with the Utah LDS Mormon Church. However, the two diverged from one another shortly after the death of Joseph Smith, Jr. Although the two churches could be thought of as cousins, they do differ in a number of doctrines. I am, however, very familiar with LDS doctrine and beliefs. I am a student of church history, not just Mormon history, but Jewish and Christian history. I have friends who were once or are currently members of the LDS church. Though I hold some differences in doctrinal beliefs from the Utah-based institutional church, I both respect and have a deep, abiding love for its members. I never pass up an opportunity to visit with Mormon missionaries. Over the years, I've probably spent time conversing with several dozen pairs of missionaries in my home. It's generally a surprise for them when they first find out that I already believe in the Book of Mormon, but that I am not a member of their church. This usually has a tremendous impact on the visits, allowing for a totally different kind of discussion. So that brings us to the fact that I hadn't previously divulged on this podcast. Yes, I do believe in the Book of Mormon. And yet, I am not a Mormon, nor do I endorse any of the many churches, organizations, denominations, or breakaway Mormon groups. Not even the one that I currently am a member of and serving as a pastor in. The Book of Mormon states that there are really only two churches— the church of the Lamb of God, and the other, the church of the devil. Now, according to Jewish tradition, the world is spiritually judged and divided into three categories. Those who have chosen God, well, that would be the church of the Lamb of God. Those who have chosen to reject God, I guess that would be the church of the devil. And then those that have not really made a choice yet, which is the vast majority of the world, They have not yet decided which church they will belong to. These are the multitudes, multitudes in the Valley of Decision, spoken of by Joel 3.14. The last day events are designed to push all of these people who are currently sitting on the fence to make a decision at last, and the choice between God and Satan will become ever more and more obvious. So, in reality, there are really only two choices— covenant with God or covenant with the devil. So in the New Testament, we find that there were many churches. I mean, there was the church in Corinth, the church in Antioch and Thessalonica, for example. And these churches were located in numerous regions such as Samaria, Judah, Galatia, Macedonia. They all had their own local leaders and particularities. But nevertheless, they were all considered 
one church or a part of one greater body of Christ. And so for this reason, when I'm speaking to brothers and sisters of various Christian denominations or non-denominational churches, or when I'm speaking to Book of Mormon believers who belong to a variety of churches, I consider every one of them who truly believe in Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior to be a part of the same church as I belong to. If we belong to Christ, then we are members of the church of the Lamb of God. Many of us currently have some doctrinal differences, and some of those differences are important and will need to be reconciled in time. But so long as we remain humble, open to correction, and do not vainly imagine that our ways are God's ways, then I would argue that we are currently under a measure of grace. Those who are not humble or correctable, well, everything that can be shaken will be shaken. And that is a mercy as well. In 1828, one of the earliest revelations that Joseph Smith received from God, still found in both the LDS and RLDS Book of Doctrine and Covenants, the Lord makes a statement. This particular statement is also in harmony with what Jesus tells the Nephites in the Book of Mormon, and the statement that is made should be utterly profound for any person raised in the traditions of Mormonism, regardless of which denomination. So listen carefully to the statement from Christ. Behold, this is my doctrine. Whosoever repenteth and cometh unto me, the same is my church. Whosoever declareth more or less than this, the same is not of me, but is against me, therefore he is not of my church. Again, in full agreement with this statement, we find recorded in the Book of Mormon that after the resurrection of Jesus, he visited the Nephites and told them, And again I say unto you, you must repent and be baptized in my name. Become as a little child, or you can in no wise inherit the kingdom of God. Verily, verily, I say unto you, that this is my doctrine. And whosoever buildeth upon this, buildeth upon my rock and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And whoso shall declare more or less than this, and establish it for my doctrine, the same cometh of evil. Did you hear that? Anyone who declares more or less than this comes of evil. And we have been adding to that doctrine of Christ especially in regards to what qualifies us to be a part of his church ever since. In fact, the institutional church even published a third book in 1835 called The Doctrine and Covenants. Did any of the revelations in that book attempt to add to the doctrine of Christ? I'll let you, the listeners, decide. Now, that's pretty heavy, and I hope none of you will go running quite yet, I assure you that my point is not to destroy your faith in the work of God, but that we might properly discern what is the work of God from the works of men. The Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians 11.3 wrote, But I am afraid that, as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, your minds will be led astray from the simplicity 
and the purity of devotion to Christ. The Book of Mormon states the following regarding the Israelites in the wilderness after God had delivered them from their bondage in Egypt. And he, God, did straighten them, speaking of the Israelites, he did straighten them in the wilderness with his rod, for they hardened their hearts, even as you have. And the Lord straightened them because of their iniquity. He sent fiery flying serpents among them, and after they had been bitten, he prepared a way that they might be healed. And the labor which they had to perform was to look. And because of the simpleness of the way, or the easiness of it, there were many who perished. I do think it is a human flaw that we want to overcomplicate things. So in closing, why do I believe the Book of Mormon to be of God? Well, I now have a great many reasons to believe more each year, which I will be happy to elaborate in some future podcast. But what was it that originally caused me to believe in it? Well, as I said, I was born and raised in the reorganized church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And I had some wonderful experiences in that church, but it sure was hard not really being a Mormon, but having everyone think that you were. It is not my intention to disparage the Mormon church in any way, but as a child especially, it wasn't easy having everyone make certain assumptions about your beliefs. I recall the trepidation every time someone asked me what church I went to. As soon as they heard the words Latter-day Saints, in their mind, I was a Mormon. It didn't really matter what I said. The innuendos or jokes about polygamy or secret underwear, etc. There was a kind of defensiveness that many of us in the RLDS church grew up with. Looking back, I realized that the RLDS was often defined by what we weren't as much as by what we were. So being perfectly honest, life would have been a lot simpler if I could have ejected the controversial church history, the Book of Mormon, and just been a regular Christian. Even the church name, Reorganized Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, with the word reorganized added to the front of it, would forever be associated with so much that I simply could never escape in the eyes of colleagues or friends. I used to think how much easier it would be if I could simply say that I was a Baptist or a Methodist or what have you. Now, I said all of this so that you will better understand how willing I was to depart from my religious upbringing when the right opportunity was later presented to me. To get to the point, by the time I was 16, I began to rebel against God and sin in ever greater ways. The lusts of the flesh, the drunkenness, all of those things that can happen to a young man going through puberty had beset me. By the time I was in my early 20s, I had strayed about as far from God as one could go. When one late night, lying in bed, something stirred in my heart. In a moment of clarity, I realized that I was in complete bondage to sin and that I needed to repent. However, at this point, I knew that I was utterly a slave to my sin and I could not change. 
So feeling regret, I reached out to God at that moment, and I asked him to intervene. Well, that was a passing moment, quickly forgotten by me, but not by God. What came next was a hellish trial that gave me a test of the very pangs of hell. And after an entire year of this, when I was in the deepest pit of anguish, I cried out to God, and he heard my prayer. He knew the work had been accomplished, my own guilty thoughts, my own double-mindedness, and the fear of hell had done its work and broke me of my bondage. You see, I'd come to a place where I was content to die. I was okay with dying, so long as I could just know that God would forgive me. The Lord touched me, and he healed me that day, restoring my mind. He removed the anxiety and the panic attacks, and he spoke to me. He let me know that he had never forsaken or left my side, and he told me that he loved me and that I was forgiven. And that was the moment in my mid-twenties when I knew for sure that there was indeed a God, and he became everything to me. I gave my life to Christ, making a covenant with him, that I would go anywhere, say anything, and do whatever he asked me to do. As I stated in the previous podcast, I have been getting into trouble for it ever since. But at this point in my life, the beliefs I was raised with literally meant nothing to me. Only knowing that the one true God had mercy on me and raised me out of the pit of hell. I loved him more than family, more than friends more than any earthly delight. I walked away from most of my friendships. I stopped any and all activities or hobbies that I felt did not glorify God. I got rid of my music collection, hundreds of CDs. I was a changed man through and through. All I knew for sure was that God was real and he was everything. I would follow him and him alone. It was at this point that I sat down with the Bible and I asked the Holy Spirit to be with me as I read, to teach me out of his word. God answered that prayer. I read the Bible from start to finish with the Holy Spirit as my guide, and I was truly transported at times. Many times I would read a passage and the Holy Spirit would speak into my heart and mind, sometimes teaching me things that went beyond what was written on the page. There were even times when some of those things he taught me out of the scriptures were a definitive correction to certain religious traditions I had been taught. I never questioned the Holy Spirit in those matters. What he taught me I knew to be true, and because of it I created a stir in my local congregation on more than a few occasions, especially among the priesthood. But the dreams the visions and the teachings of the Holy Spirit were all in perfect harmony with the Bible, and I knew they were true. And then I picked up my Book of Mormon. And I testify to you now that what I then told God was not merely words, but the absolute truth that was in my heart. I prayed to the Lord, and I confessed that I had said I believed in the Book of Mormon because my parents believed in it. But I didn't really know what was in it. I told him that I wanted to know the truth regardless of the cost. I told him I was going to open that book and start reading just as I had done with the Bible. And I asked him to reveal if it was true or false. I told God that if he asked me to take that book and throw it in a fire, 
I would do it without question, without hesitation. And I meant what I said. In truth, it might have been a relief if he had told me to do that, being able to finally eject all those inconvenient ties to Mormonism. But instead, that same comforting Spirit of God, which had attended every word of the Bible, was right there with me again, confirming the words written there as I turned each page. Once more, the Holy Spirit taught me as I read the Book of Mormon from cover to cover. To be perfectly clear, the Holy Spirit did not confirm the truth of my specific church denomination, our religious traditions, or ever tell me that everything Joseph Smith said or did was right. In fact, as I read the Book of Mormon, just as with the Bible, there were times where he highlighted certain scriptures in order to challenge or contradict some of our beliefs in the church. This book, along with the Bible, have continued to minister to me throughout the years, and my testimony of the truth of these two books only continues to grow in strength so that it is almost impossible to separate them. They have grown together as one, confounding false doctrines and the errors of men. So here we are, more than 30 years later. I believe in the Book of Mormon. Does that make me a Mormon? Let me ask you this. Forgetting what you think you know about the Book of Mormon, and I say that because I can tell you that there is a lot of misinformation out there. Fabrications that have no evidence or support for them. Nevertheless, boldly posing as absolute facts, which no one ever really questions or bothers to track down. So, I say, forgetting what you may have heard, do you really know what is written in that book? Am I Mormon? What I will declare before God and men is that, without any need on my part to disparage the Mormon Church or any of the various denominations that claim to believe in the Book of Mormon. I would simply call myself a disciple of Christ. I am not a disciple or a follower of Joseph Smith, nor of any other man. Christ alone is the head of his church. I follow after the God of Abraham and the God of Israel, and Jesus alone is the author and finisher of my faith. This is not the topic I had planned to cover in the second episode of the podcast, but as I set out to research the topic that I was going to do, which will now be presented in episode three, I realized that there would be some who would be questioning whether I was pro or anti-Mormon, whether my purpose was to indoctrinate Christians into Mormonism or maybe persuade Mormons to abandon their faith. Neither of those things are true. But if I have not totally offended you up to this point, I hope you will stick around and entertain the possibility of some constructive dialogue and maybe a point of view you had not previously considered. I hope you'll consider following this podcast and join me next time. God bless. Join us for discussion in our Facebook group, facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash hope of Zion or at our YouTube channel, Teacher in Zion. That's the word teacher, space, and in Zion spelled as one word. My books can be found at Amazon.com forward slash author forward slash Douglas Hatton 
That's H-A-T, like a hat on your head. T-E-N, like the number 10. Until next time.